following podcast contains spoilers and words like fuck, fuck, and fuck. We watch it. Hello everybody and welcome back to We Watched A Thing for another week of fun. This week, we're looking at one of my favourites. And we're looking at that with one of my favourite people. It's Julio from The Contrarians. How you doing, mate? He is back. He is back. (laughs) And it's not a Wes Anderson movie. That's Uh, right. The people are rejoicing. And it's not a uh, Rennie Harlan movie either. (laughs) No. It's a completely different beast. Uh, I'm I'm doing great, Billy. I am excited to talk to you about a movie I hadn't watched before. I didn't even know it yes. existed until you told That's me. That's right. It. You'd never seen it, and I don't know. There's, you and I tend to have pretty similar tastes, although it's funny I say that. But the last three episodes we've recorded together, we've kind of disagreed on. So I don't know why I think that. But uh, there was something about me that was sure you would like this movie, and so I'm really curious to hear if that's the case or not. Uh, We're talking about 1991's L.A. Story, a satirical romantic comedy film written by and starring Steve Martin and directed by Mick Jackson. It stars Steve Martin, Victoria Tennant, Richard E. Grant and Sarah Jessica Parker. And what is it about, Julio? Uh, It's about, I think of the elevator pitch. Like, how did Steve (laughs) Martin pitch this movie to the studio? It's like, look, it's about, we're going to make fun of L.A. while telling a love story in L.A., yeah. So at the end, LA will be redeemed because even though it's superficial and <laughs> stupid, it's still better than going to England and yeah, <laughs> falling yeah. in love over there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Steve Martin is a meteorologist uh, who is unhappy, even though he's not even aware that he's unhappy until he meets somebody that's not from LA. The only cast member that I don't know was her name, Victoria Tennant. Tennant, a, yeah, a British woman and. Uh, they have a relationship throughout the movie. In the end, they they get together because it was the 90s and there had to be a happy ending. <laughs> so, I, I okay, I need to ask this straight off the top. <laughs> D- was, was, I, was I wrong? Was I off mark? Did you like this movie? See, it's not a, <laughs> oh, this no, is not, a, this is not a simple sentence. answer. It's not as in uh, uh, the Wes Anderson movies where I was like, yes. Yeah. Uh, I didn't hate it. I can start with that. There were some things about it that I really liked, and there were some things yeah. about it that I I had issues with. So this will be an interesting conversation. Okay. Because uh, yeah, I'm cool. going to just keep like saying nice things about it, and then I'll hit you with some things <laughs> I didn't really like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. But, that, but I can definitely appreciate it. It's a movie that I, you know, every now and then I would watch a movie that somebody recommends, and I was like, that was way off the mark. Why would you even think that I would like this? And now I just... I, I actively had a bad time. That was not the case here. And I can yeah. totally see why you would think that I would be all <laughs> over this because we we do like a lot of similar movies and this is along the yeah. vein. Like I think that there's some very clever dialogue here and there's a yeah. there's a lot of the uh the surreal aspects of it that are a lot of fun and yeah. I do like yeah. that kind of stuff. There are just two major areas of the movie that are very important and don't quite work for me. And that's, I think, where I okay. I can't just like get fully behind, but yeah, uh, fully behind what they were trying to do. But, the, you know, like my uh, my co-host likes to say, like, you know, 90 minutes. I think this is like an hour 40, maybe? Yeah. Hour 43, and that's with credits. So it's like, it's hard to get mad about a movie that's kind of short. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, right. See, because I know that you're a writer, and I like to fancy myself a bit of a writer too, and I mm-hmm. adore Steve Martin's writing. I think his dialogue is 
very strong. I love the surrealist elements in all of his films. You know, I don't know if you've seen it, but Roxanne is another one that's kind of quite surreal in nature. Yeah, um, yeah. And I know that you love whimsy. We're both very whimsical. We're both romantics. We're both Woody Allen fans. Or, sorry, I should say fans of Woody Allen's work. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, okay. I'm glad that you can at least see why I, you know, why I might have been on the right track, even if, even if I didn't quite hit on the head <laughs> but yes should we get into it then yes let's let's get into it how do you want to approach this billy seeing as how you are such a big fan like i kind of feel like you it probably be better if you set the stage by giving me your story your, your history with this movie okay All before right, i could just start telling you what sucks about it <laughs> <laughs> look honest i could not tell you when i first saw this movie i i couldn't do it it's one of those movies that i've seen so many times and over such a long period of time. I must have been under 10 when I saw it for the first time. And it was probably my dad who showed it to me as my guess. Um, you know, he introduced me to a lot of films that I really love, like Blues Brothers was another one that, and it was funny that <laughs> I think even though we don't, I don't generally tend to have very similar tastes to my dad. In some ways, that's where I got my sense of whimsy from. Like, I remember when he showed me Blues Brothers for the first time. And before we watched it, I was like, so what? what's this movie about? And he looked at me and he goes, life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, yeah, I couldn't tell you when I first saw this movie, but I was definitely already a huge Steve Martin fan and always have been, always will be. I... You know, I remember seeing The Jerk and him playing You Belong to Me on the ukulele. Like, it's just, I just love him so much. And I, like I said, I think his style is something I really appreciate. The, the surrealism, the wittiness, the kind of, the romantic nature of everything. It, like, everything is romantic through the eyes of Steve Martin, you know? Like, and I think that comes across in this film where LA itself is a character in this film. And like mm -hmm. you say, it's kind of about what a crap place LA is. It's a punchline. But, <laughs> but there's a very strong sentimentality and romanticism about the place as well. And I think it's the, that kind of stuff that comes across in his writing is what makes me love this film. But- I mean, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't tell you my history with it. <laughs> I I'm not even born here in the States, but I'm gonna show my my American <laughs> prudishness. It's like you were ten and you watched this movie that features uh, a dual sex scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean I would have been watching South Park. That started in ninety seven, so it would have been eight. <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, you were watching South Park, so I'll take it back. You were ready for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I maybe that's uh, the, the first point of contention, which is that I I don't feel the the romanticism when it comes to L.A. I, I feel the other part of it, which is just the, the constant jabs at it, which I don't mind. Yeah. But I think that I, I like Steve Martin's work, too. Um have you watched, have you gotten to uh, Only Murders in the Building yet? Yes, I loved that series. So yeah. he can be so smart. And something I really like about Only Murders in the Building was that I think that there is kind of like your ground level set of jokes that you can make about podcasting. And yeah. he didn't really go there. He he went like a little above that. You know, yeah. he kept it accessible, but there was still like 
you know, the podcasting stuff was there, but it was not, uh, I don't know, like the usual stuff that you would hear if somebody's making a joke about podcasting. Uh, So when it comes to LA story, and of course, I have to keep in mind that this is like the early 90s, but I felt that a lot of the jokes about LA were things that that I- ground level- yeah, but I mean, it might be that they're just ground level here, like now, you know, and, yeah, and maybe yeah. they were a little more, like they carried more of a sting back in the early nineties. Uh, yeah, I I couldn't tell you for sure, like what the context was when this movie was released, and right. if, yeah, uh, yeah, if people were just so, you know, they were not used to, uh, the whole like, oh well, people in LA are so, so superficial. I mean, imagine that's always been the case since the movie industry started there, you know, since they yeah. set themselves up as. Hollywood, but I don't know. You know, it's like I, I was like the joke, for example, like they're at this diner, right? And and then the camera and the script like goes around the table with everybody yeah, making yeah, their yeah, orders yeah. and everybody orders like a you know a diet drink of some sort and then everybody orders like a twist of lemon. A twist and, of lemon, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh and, you know, see Martin orders like a decaf, 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 something else, you know, and I'm like, okay, this is funny. But I've seen a version of this joke so many times when it comes to, you know, L.A. And and so, you know, that's what I would call now in the year 2022, like a ground level. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and so I think that about 50% of the comedy in this movie is there. Where I'm like, I can see how this is funny, but it's not funny, you know, to me now. Like, I can see how it's constructed like a joke. And then the punchline doesn't really hit me. And then, yeah. But then here's the thing. Like, the other half is really smart. So yeah. compare yeah. that to when uh, Mary Lou Henner is uh, complaining about the new British woman that just arrived. And she says something like, oh, I don't like her accent. And Steve Martin is like, well, she's British. And she's like, I think she's just doing that because she, you know, she wants to get attention. And then he goes, oh yeah, like that big phony Winston Churchill. That <laughs> made me laugh out loud. <laughs> I think that's one of the interesting things about coming to a movie so long after it was made. Because So this film celebrated its 30th anniversary last year. So, right. you know, like when you look at it through that lens, and I do, perhaps part of it is because I'm not American, like, obviously, I've heard all of those jokes about LA and stuff. But I think that they're approached with such absurdist levels in this film that, to me, it goes beyond that ground level. And it's like, it's in, it's almost like when satire is so over the top that it's, it comes back around to being more true. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, to me, is how this film you know, like the scene where he's doing his performance art, you know, going through the museum on on rollerblades. That's and like funny. it's it's, but it's funny because it's so silly, and it's like, oh, uh, you know, performance art. That's such a you know L.A. thing. But it, what he's doing is so over the top that it comes back around to be true satire again. That's kind of the way. I feel about this film. I think that there are times where it's like so over the top that it works. Like I also like at, at the beginning when there's a. Uh, Traffic's bad, and so he just gets off the, <laughs> the streets and he drives through the houses. And so yeah. that's where I think that it, it applies to what you're saying that it's just over the top that it kind of comes around and becomes funny again. Um, yeah. But then there are moments where I just I I don't feel that it goes far enough, so it just uh, it kind of gets stuck in like first gear. Uh, yeah. For example, when they're coming out of the super fancy, re- actually, the whole thing about the fancy restaurant, right? Like they need to get a reservation, and so he tries. And when he tries, they run a credit check on him, and then he has to he he goes to a meeting in a bank with uh, Captain Picard <laughs> and a couple yeah. other guys. And they're 
and it just kept going on and I was like but I know this like I have seen this like you know the idea of like the really exclusive place where you can't get you know that was a joke that I've Again, maybe it wasn't as played out back in the early 90s. And, and even yeah, then, like, you know, yeah. it's going like really over the top. Actually, I think if nothing else, like the really funny thing is that later on, um, uh, Richard E. Grant is able to get a reservation just like calling from a payphone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's funny. But actually, where I was going first is that when they're coming out of that restaurant, there's like people taking photos and then they go like, oh, no, don't bother. It's nobody. You know, they're not actors. Yeah. They're not real celebrities. And I was like, see, I see the joke, but I've seen the joke before. Yeah, was it yeah. post 91 probably but it's just you know it, it's uh now none of this would bother me really or or at least it's it's not like a big deal uh but then there's the other half and that is that uh victoria tenant right yep. that's the name yeah so victoria tenant is i feel like she's primed to be the most interesting character in the movie because she's the outsider so she yep, is yep. you know she's coming from from london and uh she comes in and she it's just like this really weird place, LA. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just uh the performance or her persona, or it's just that she doesn't have enough chemistry with Steve Martin. But I just I didn't buy into that relationship, which is a shame because the movie wants me to buy in you know into that relationship. Uh there are two other women in his life. Uh Martin Lou Henner, which is just a terrible person, but really entertaining to watch. Yeah. And uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, which is just luminous in this movie, <laughs> even though yeah. she is, she's pretty shallow and obviously yeah. like half his age. Uh, but I was, if there was a character that I cared for, that I was, you know, the only person that yeah. I really, whose feelings I really cared for, it was Sarah yeah. Jessica Parker. I and know, right? Yeah, but she's supposed to be kind of like this side, you know, plot that it's not really meant to have a significance because you're supposed to be rooting for Steve Martin and uh what's her name Sarah in the in the movie you know yeah uh, yeah uh, to to get together and work it out and so that is the other part because once it becomes that I think halfway through it's where he actively starts pursuing her and they actually have a you know a talk yeah. about potentially having a relationship he kisses her um once that happens I was like oh no the movie's going there <laughs> Did you? I don't know how it is in in uh, wherever you streamed it, but on Amazon Prime, the poster is Steve Martin and Sarah Jessica Parker. Which oh, really, I I've know. never seen that poster. No, interesting. No, so I've got this movie on on Blu-ray, and the poster is it's like the sun setting over LA with him. I don't know if he's like dancing or walking or something. It's I've almost like a silhouette. Yeah, yeah I've seen that. That's on, the only one I've ever on an seen. App too. Yeah. But no, the the, the actual like when I rented it, it was a. Uh, Steve Martin's Armored Jessica Parker, which I understand that has to be like a re-release kind of thing where once she became a big deal, yeah, yeah. They're like, okay, let's just, you know, the the, the yeah. second biggest star in the movie, we're gonna put her there next to Steve Martin. Yeah. And uh, uh so I mean I don't want to say that it sold me that because I saw uh, for a moment the movie started, I was like, Oh, she's not second build. It's like she's on <laughs> yeah. the third screen of the credits, I think. So yeah. Uh, but I I feel like they had more chemistry and a more interesting relationship than yeah than him and Tennant. So uh, it's interesting. I think I know what you're saying. It's funny, even though you know they absolutely should not be together. She's so much younger than him, and you know he's almost like a cranky old man. Like the scene where she's telling him how to spell her name, <laughs> and you can tell that he thinks that's ridiculous. But yep. and it's kind of another comment on LA and stuff. But. You do, there is a part of you that's like, oh, I want these two to end up together. Because you're right, they do have such great chemistry. 
I think the thing for me is at the end of the day, I'm not necessarily rooting for him and Sarah to end up together. I'm just rooting for him, I think. He so, just wanted to be happy. Yeah. I think that's what I don't even like, I think romance is obviously a huge part of this film, but I think it's deeper than just, I wouldn't call this a rom-com, for example. That's just not how I would describe this film. I think it's more about his awakening and kind of, yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking of Sarah Jessica Parker. I guess I'm, I'm, I keep like fishing for like examples of like when it worked and when it didn't work for me, the, the LA comedy. And, uh, something that I had laughed really hard at was when uh, she explains her her relationship with her current boyfriend, who's like, oh, we can date other people. And Steve Martin's like, what? Really? He's like, so where is he right now? And she, she points, she's like, he's there at the bar. And then there's a shot of the guy looking at them, and he's just, he's clearly not happy. And he's just... <laughs> And so that was funny. And I thought that that was that extra punchline that elevates it, right? Because at first you're just making fun of, a, am assuming, the kind of like the mindset of a lot of people that live in LA. We're like, oh, we're just going to have open relationships because yeah. I'm hoping to hook up. But then you you kick it up a notch by actually showing you the guy. And they do it twice because then when they go on the road trip, she says bye to the guy and he's just watching them from the window. <laughs> So funny. <laughs> yeah, that stuff was great. So the there's the big element here of uh, well, okay. So what's your read on the on the probably the biggest surreal part of it, which is the the sign that the talks sign? to him? Yeah. yeah, is that L.A.? Is that just a character of his own? Is that his imagination? Well, it can't be his imagination because uh, it actually seems to have superpowers. Yeah. Uh, or maybe it you isn't. Know you know, is it all in his head? Did, 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 did the car really, you know, her car really lock itself and then unlock itself and drive them to that spot so they could kiss? Or is that just how he sees it in his mind when he tells the story? But really, it was just that he took them there. Yeah. isn't? It, I've never really thought about the street sign and whether, I mean, that's interesting. Is it kind of a, for lack of a better word, personification of L.A.? I never really thought of that. To me, it was just a street sign, <laughs> which I know sounds dumb. Like, which I guess, because at the end, you see it's it's like the whole network of street signs is kind of, you know, doing this, um, which I guess does imply that it is L.A. That L.A. Really. fixed this love life somehow. Yeah. It's just such a weird uh, takeaway from the movie. You know what I mean? Like, he spent so much time making fun of L.A. and yeah. But then- at the same time, also paints LA as a sentient creature that fixes his life. That <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was just so I don't know. I this is me overthinking LA's story, but I just wanted to know what exactly he was trying to say uh, about LA. Yeah, see that to me is part of the romanticism element of it, and I think I think that's something we can all relate to. You know, like I'm sure that there's. Plenty of things that you would whinge about about Austin, for example. Mm. But at the end of the day, you live there and you've stayed there for a reason. So clearly, there's things that you love about it as well. Like, like maybe I'm thinking too deeply about it. But to me, that's kind of a large statement of the film is that all places have magic and beauty to them, no matter how absurd it can seem and how ridiculous your life might seem while you're living there. Like, yeah. there's beauty in all of these places. Like, even LA is still 
it still cares about him enough that it makes its street signs do magic for him to kind of sort his life out. Because it's it's not just the um the romantic side of it. It also, you know, he loses his job, like, which is kind of a good thing for him, you know, like I th- I just to me that's part of Is his- it though? Because he seems pretty miserable in that with his new job or the like the serious reporting that he's doing yeah. later. He doesn't seem happy. I I I thought that we were going to have him quit that okay, so this is how I thought the story was going to for me yeah. to make sense, okay? Like yeah. I'm like he's painted LA as such a shitty place that what's going to happen is after asking her to stay he's going to realize that that's unfair what he needs to do is he needs to go after her so he's going to leave this place that he clearly hates and move somewhere else because he you know he realizes that whatever attachment he has to LA is is kind of like a one way street and uh, Interesting. and and the sign is trying to tell him that he needs to move on and the the answer to wow. the riddle is going to be like you don't need to be in LA to be happy. And so he's going to go to London. She's going to fly and he's going to fly after her. And then he's wow. going to be happy. It's so interesting that we read that so differently. Because to me, that would ruin the film. And then the only way the <laughs> film would work is if then he realizes he's unhappy in London and moves back to LA. Like That's so interesting. <laughs> well, because I, I like what you're saying that, you know, you can complain about the place you live. But then when it comes down to it, there's you live there for a reason but yeah, i never yeah. i never got that from the movie i never got like the what does he love about la you know because i couldn't I, tell you yeah i think i don't know yeah maybe we're just reading it differently like i said i read such romanticism into everything about the place like and even when it takes jabs at la i feel like there's a sense of love there you know like it it's kind of like a like when you make fun of your brother for example or like <laughs> your best mate you're like oh you're such a piece of shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, to me, that's that's how I feel about the whole movie, and that's that to me is what I take away from it anyway. Is just about this beauty in ordinary things. We we referenced Woody Allen not too long ago, and I want to say it might be Hannah and her sisters, or it's is there's a movie where he finds himself. He has. I won't say he has a death wish, but he's kind of well surprised. He's depressed in the movie, Woody Allen. And <laughs> you but, don't say. <laughs> yeah, I know. But there is a sequence toward the end where he starts listing things that he likes about life, and yeah. and you know that's kind of like the turn. And uh, I would have liked something similar. You would have liked where, that turn, yeah. Where Steve yeah. Martin just spells it out for me, and he's like, <laughs> you know what? This is why you should stay. And he tells Tennant. Uh, he goes because LA does this and this and this and this and this and this. Yeah, okay, yeah. And also, I am here, and I'm yeah. like, all right, I I buy it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he yeah, doesn't earn it. That's the other thing. He's kind of a piece of shit. And then he <laughs> he ends up, you know, like when she got on the plane. I I actually I might have written it where I was like, yeah, I'm like, this movie gets an extra half a star if she leaves. If, yeah, yeah. But instead. The storm happens and she just shows up. She takes it as a sign <laughs> that she should yeah. be with him. And then, you know, he comes back to him and they kiss and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, the indignation that he shows when he finds her hooking up with Richard E. Grant, even though he's hooking up with Sarah Jessica Parker at the exact yeah. same time. Like, this is funny, but that doesn't make you, uh, uh, yeah. you know, I'm not rooting for you still. Man, that, that, that scene is really funny, though. They're hearing each other through the walls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That is funny. Yeah. And and again, that is a joke. That, I mean, we're talking 30 years. I feel like I've seen that in subsequent movies now. 
Yes, that is true. But that is, I think that the the humanity of that is never, yeah. you know, who cannot relate to hearing somebody having sex, you know, yeah. in the next room or whatever. That is always <laughs> going to be relevant and yeah. always going to hit a nerve. Um, yeah. I know what you're saying about wishing that she had left. Like I said, I've never really thought of this movie as a romantic comedy. Like, to me, that's not what it's doing. It's not about the romance. So, I would have been fine if she had left as well. I think that's one of those things that it was probably hard enough for him to get this movie across the line being as absurd (laughs) as it is that selling that happy ending was probably part of the only way he could get it made. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Like they have to kiss at the end in the rain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I really like the cast. I, I, I was, you know, I became aware of Richard E. Grant, honestly, when he was nominated a few years ago for uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me? Yeah. And then, so ever since then, every time I see him in something, I'm like, oh, it's that guy again. And so uh, even even when it's movies that I've already seen and I just didn't know who he was. Like, for example, when I rewatched the most, the, the last time I rewatched uh, Coppola's Dracula, he's yeah. in it. He's one of the main characters. And so I geeked out there. And, you know, I last year, I didn't really like it, but I I thought uh, with Neil and I, you know, that, that's like one of his big yeah. things. I was like, I liked him in it. That's uh, our mutual friend, David Powell, is one of his favorite films. Yes, yes, it is. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sadly, David, <laughs> I, no, he knows by now. He's seen my Letterboxd review. <laughs> not not my cup of tea. But, uh, but they, you know, uh, but he's great in it, Richard E. Grant. And so here, I was like, are we going to get wacky Richard E. Grant? Or are we going to get uh, a kind of like a toned down Richard E. Grant? And it's kind of like in between. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, he never goes over the top, but uh, he's uh, he's good. He, he's funny. You know, he's. I bought that he, I like that he wasn't just this lazy ex that's trying to take advantage yeah. of, of uh, the, you know, the ex-wife that doesn't want to get back to him. And instead, yeah. he actually seemed pretty hurt when she ended up saying no after everything else. Yeah. That's one thing I really like about the film. I think as absurd as it can be and as surreal as it can be, I think that all of the characters are written in a way that they feel real. Like you were just saying about Richard E. Grant, it would be very easy for that to be a wacky character. In the same way that like, the wackiest character in the film is Steve Martin, definitely. Like, your protagonist yeah. is the wackiest character. Everybody else is treated very grounded. Even when they're doing silly things, you believe that that's what that character would do for some reason. <laughs> and I love Sarah Jessica Parker in this film as well. I've never been a giant fan of hers, but I think she's, like you say, she lights up the screen. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, I looked it up. So, this is, I think- Two years before Hocus Pocus, and I had a similar yep. experience watching Hocus Pocus, where I was like, "Man, she's just—I'd never had that experience of watching Sarah Jessica Parker in a movie and being yeah. just so drawn to her." And uh, so it's—it makes sense, you know. It was like I think it was that time in in her life. Uh, she's great, and uh, you know, I called out Marla Lou Henner, and I—I I also haven't seen in that many seen her in that many things, but uh, I thought that she was she was really good, really funny, in just kind of a mean way. She's yeah. clearly you're not supposed to like her. Uh, then here's another big laugh I had, which is when she confesses 
to Steve Martin that she's cheating on him, that she's been cheating on him for three years. <laughs> yeah. With his agent. <laughs> but the way that he finds out, because she starts telling him, and he's like, well, are you sleeping with my agent? And she's like, how did you know? Because <laughs> I thought it was, a, I was kidding. It was, that, that was good because, again, that was when he said, oh, you're sleeping with my agent, I thought that he was serious. And I thought that we we're getting into you know, oh, we're going to make fun of the fact that LA is just so superficial that, of course, you yeah, yeah. But uh, the fact that it was that he was not serious was what yeah. made it funny because his That's shock right. at having actually guessed it, it was, it was yeah, it's good. not even, it's not even like he was trying to trick her into admitting or anything. He was literally making a joke, <laughs> right? But then his celebration once he he's out of the apartment and he realizes that he's so he's no longer he's single now and he doesn't have he's not with the agency so he can fire his agent because you know yeah. he was cheating uh it's just you know he does this little dance it's that's really funny <laughs> yeah well i'm glad that you didn't hate the film <laughs> no can i ask what you thought of the score by peter melnick it was good yeah it was it was it was, it was cute i think that there was a uh, i i think it really this sounds so pretentious. <laughs> I think it really <laughs> underscored the, the, the surrealism of, uh, yeah, you know, through, it but, does, but it's true. I, I love the score for this film. I think that kind of recurring title theme, that it's so. I find it strange that a movie like this has such a memorable score in it. I just, I adore it so much. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a. Uh, uh, it's not what comes to mind because you know I hadn't thought about it until you brought it up. But then I remembered, oh yeah, that's right. Like it, you know, because it ties it all together. Um, mm. It is like some movies I think are definitely musically driven, and this yeah. is not that. But you you do have music that kind of like bridges things along, and uh, yeah, it, it's fine. I mean, you know, it's not. <laughs> I I don't know where you rank it, and you're like, you know, where Titanic is your ten, and I don't know what else is oh. your one where, where it goes, <laughs> but I. I wouldn't, you know, it's like I, I'll remember it next time I watch the movie. Uh, yeah. Because this was, by the way, so it wasn't available for rental on Amazon. You could only buy it. But it was like- Oh, right. Five, yeah, but it was a $5 <laughs> purchase. So it was just like- yeah. So for the price that it would cost you to rent it, you could actually own it. So now I own LA Story. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm going to watch it again because now it's like, it's there in my collection. Well, I think you should, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on it after a, after a second watch, actually. I'd be really curious to hear if you enjoy parts of it more or parts of it less. This is definitely one of those things where, like I said, I've seen this so many times over such a long period. I don't know if I'd love this movie as much as I do if I was watching it for the first time today either. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it definitely, if you watch this when you were so young and, and, you know, it has a connection with your dad and all that stuff, I can yeah. see how it just, it got its claws on you pretty yeah. early on. And I don't know, I mean, because I did think when I was watching the movie, I'm like, okay, does Billy like this because, or does he like it more than I do because he lives in Australia? And so he's a I little more removed. Well, this. yeah. But I don't live in LA. And, uh, you know, like half my life I spent in Peru. And yeah. then, you know, I guess you could say that the second half of my life I, has, I spent closer to LA. But, you know, like I've been to San Diego once and that's kind of a different type of culture anyway. Um, yeah. I don't know. I kind of feel like you and I have, like, our experience of LA culture has been the same in the sense that we've absorbed it through movies. Yeah. So, yeah. I, but maybe not. Maybe, uh, maybe there is something, you know, once you're 
in the states, even if you're not in California, you still yeah maybe. get more of it. And yeah. whereas it's, it's a more exotic place for you. Like I wonder yeah. what the what the Australian equivalent is. You know, like an Australian movie that I would be like, this is fascinating, and you'd be like, this is just <laughs> it's, <laughs> this is regular uh, life. I mean, honestly, most Australian movies, <laughs> like anything said in one of the bigger cities, like Sydney. No one in Australia likes Sydney. People who live in Sydney is the LA of Australia for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's an interesting thought. Actually, maybe next time we should watch an Australian movie. <laughs> uh, uh, Baz Luhrmann's Australia was oh, that something that? that... <laughs> <laughs> but do you hate I'm it? Not a because... Baz Luhrmann fan. Oh, okay. Was like, I, you just, hate it I don't like Australia. his style. Yeah, um, it is funny though. I think, and I've been reading a lot of articles and stuff lately too about why Australians hate their own accent because it's so Australians don't watch Australian movies because we hear the Australian accent we're like oh what a fucking bogan (laughs) (laughs) even though that's how we talk there's something about our own accent that we we find really hard to appreciate so yeah um I don't know if you caught it a while ago on the show um one of our dear friends he's Australian our friend Chas so he he who does the screen Screenwriting podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a screenwriting yeah, podcast. Yeah. And so he requests us to do this this Australian movie, uh, which is called Getting Square with uh, Sam Worthington. Yeah, I know of the film, but I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, so he he really likes it. And we were both pretty pretty cool on it. We, we didn't really connect to it. And he said that it might be just that he enjoys it because he's more steeped in the culture. And to us, it was, we're just yeah. missing that connection. So it can work, you know, the other way around. So I wonder if you, who right now have, you've owned to the fact that you kind of hate Australian cinema, <laughs> if you would like that. And yeah, you know, I mean, there's lots it. of, there's lots of good ones. Like I do uh, two hands. Is I've seen two hands. Classic. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I liked it. Um, have you ever seen the rage in Placid Lake? No. Okay, that's one of my all-time favorite films. It's Ben Lee and Rose Byrne. And that, I guess, could kind of be seen as an equivalent to this, where it's kind of quirky, surreal, kind of some statements on culture and stuff and lifestyle. So, yeah, I reckon you should check that one out, actually. Okay. Yeah. You're going to have to text me that, uh, that title. <laughs> yeah. So, all in all, how are, you, how are you scoring LA Story then? I'm glad to hear you didn't hate it. <laughs> no, I didn't hate it. Yeah. Uh- I am see it's weird because I I finished it and I'm like this is 6 and then talking to you recounting all the things I liked I'm like no it's a yeah. 7 I laughed a lot <laughs> I like I laughed out loud a lot yeah, and I have yeah. to also factor in the fact that I watched it almost immediately after watching uh the French Dispatch which yeah. I liked a lot and so I already had that type of comedy that had been successful in my mind and then I had to switch yeah. gears to something that was very very different and yeah uh, LA story might have suffered a little bit yeah because yeah. of that so I'm gonna go with a seven uh yep it could potentially go up like I said I own it now so <laughs> it will get watched again <laughs> yeah I I agree like I've seen this movie so many times and it always amazes me that I still laugh out loud quite a bit during because I'm not a laugh out loud kind of person. Like there's, I watch a lot of comedy stuff that I think is very funny. And for the most part, I don't actively laugh out loud, but there's something about the humor in this film that really gets it for me. (laughs) I mean, you're just a Steve Martin guy. 
That's true. I do love Steve Martin. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me and, and for taking the time to watch this one. Can you tell everybody about The Contrarians and where they can find you? Uh, the Contrarians is a show where uh, my co-host and I talk about uh, movies that are either fresh on the tomato meter, Rotten Tomatoes, or rotten, and then we argue against that. I actually looked it up. This this one is fresh. This is like in the mid-90s, like I think. 93 or something. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It's fresh. So if we were doing it on the show, we would talk about it as if it was a bad movie. Do <laughs> you think that, that was negative now? Like, I would be really <laughs> negative on it. Um, and then on the second half of the show, we tell you how we really feel. Uh, so it's, it's fun stuff. You can just look us up, uh, find us on your podcatcher of choice, uh, just look up for the contrarian. Look the contrarians up, and you'll see like a little tomato looking in the mirror, and uh, that's us. Yeah, it's it, honestly it's such a great show. I like I cannot recommend it enough. And there's a reason that you've now been on the show four <laughs> times because you, you're you're a great person. You're a great host. It's a great show to listen to. So I definitely recommend it. Yeah, I, our, our episodes run longer than Billy's, so we're like <laughs> a bigger investment. I yeah. but but that's it. Uh, I I didn't want to close the the conversation without acknowledging something else that I found hilarious and that might also be a comment on LA culture, but I didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the whole thing about uh, colonics and how oh. <laughs> so Jessica Parker <laughs> is just really enthusiastic about yeah. enemas. <laughs> when she asks him about it and then later on she just drags him to one (laughs) and he i mean steve martin is one of those hilarious people that has always seemed like an old man you know like you watch you watch the jerk which i think that was 77 or something so he's a young man and already his hair is gray (laughs) yep Oh man, he's just so funny in that moment. <laughs> yeah, it was it that was you know, speaking of laughing out loud, that that killed me. I had to pause because I was, <laughs> it's just the way that she said it just clears your head and he's like they're never doing it wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man. Uh, well thank you so much. Uh in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with me, you can do that at wewatchthething.com or wewatchthething at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatchthething. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash we watch the thing and I'll catch you next week.